0: Welcome to Jaipur Bites. I'm your host, Lakshata. We're live from day 3 of the Z Jaipur Literature Festival. And the session you're about to listen to is called Full Disclosure: Rajdeep Sardesai in conversation with Madhu Trehan.
1: Thank you very much. Um, before I go into his book, or rather get him to go into his book, I would like to first get into his career, which I think most people don't know about because they see him as a face on the India Today channel. But I think his uh, trajectory of where he came from and where he is today is not that well known. So I would like to uh, start with 1988 when you started working for Times of India. Uh, that was your first job, and you were the city editor of the Mumbai edition. Uh, I would lo- like to ask you around that time, that was the time in the early 90s when Samir Jain invented and established paid news as an official policy. What did you experience during that time?
0: I must confess, Samir Jain, uh, if he did invent paid news, did it after I'd left the Times of India. Uh, I actually had a wonderful time at the Times of India. It's the most powerful newspaper of its time, particularly in the early 90s where there was no television, no digital, no one to monitor us on social media. Uh, you know, the Times of India, in a sense, uh, set the agenda of Mumbai. To the point where the editor of the Times of India then almost went to the extent of calling himself the second most powerful person of, in the country. He
1: denied it, poor fellow, the late.
0: He did, but didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see myself as that. Uh, but I, you know, that period in Mumbai, in 30 years of journalism, no period, according to me, has been as emotionally draining and in a strange sense, professionally rewarding as that period of the riots and the blasts of Mumbai. 92, 93, to my mind, changed Mumbai and this country forever. We still live, we are on Republic Day today, we still live with the scars of what happened then. So for me, what Samir Jain was doing was completely, you know, I was not part of that world. I was part of a great reporting team that actually brought out a very good book called When Bombay Burnt. But because I wasn't on TV, no one read my book. You know, this television makes your byline bigger than your than the book itself. But, so I, you know, really Madhu, I didn't know what Samir Jain was doing. All I can say is you're right. The balance between advertising and the journalist or the advertiser and the editor changed around that period where the advertising and the marketing department became more and more powerful. I could see it happening around me, but I was untouched by it. Me and my team just did journalism, which is the only way you can fight the Samir Jains of the world in a sense. They must learn to respect you for your journalism. The day they don't, they will trample over you. And I think editors of that time made the mistake of allowing themselves to forget journalism and start becoming sort of factotums of the marketing empire.
1: But he is publicly has contempt for journalists. He has stated I, it. Very I had often. a very
0: good relationship with Samir Jain. He had. He may have had. I, as I said, I think he had contempt for. I wouldn't use the word contempt. Actually, it's a strange... You know, Samir Jain, in many ways, is a soft target. I think Samir Jain was ahead of his time. Look at every newspaper in this country. Look at many news channels. They've all become extensions of marketing empires. Samir Jain could well say, I'm the pioneer. Everyone else followed me. So I'm I'm disinclined. He does
1: does say that, but I disagree with you on... uh, Pushing the fact that he's a pioneer because paid news, as you know, undermines journalism, undermines the fact that you're writing the truth instead of what a marketing guy is telling you to do according to what uh, the advertising they're getting in the newspaper.
0: But Madhu, there was no paid news at least till 1994. Let's be honest, much of this, this whole Delhi Times, Bombay Times, these, uh, these supplements came much later. Um, and you know, in a sense, uh, were, as I said, a forerunner to what we are seeing today. You know, I know, I am on a flight. I see number of people actually first turn to Delhi Times, Bombay Times, before they look at the front page. You know, we should also ask the readers and the viewers. You know, it's back to also them taking some responsibility. Maybe Samir Jain saw the possibility that there was a world out there which wanted page three on page one. As a journalist, I might resist it. But the public out there seems to, to want to read what uh, what Shah Rukh is up to, what Salman is up to, what uh, Virat Kohli and Anushka are up to. Who am I now to decide for them? So Samir Jain said, I will give the reader what he or she wants. And m- me and the editors sitting in our ivory towers felt, we know best, right? We are going to tell you what is in the public interest. So I think there was a clash. It was almost inevitable. And the result of it is, you're right. The dumbing down of the news. The dumbing down of the media. I agree with that. Hmm. But, who, you know, I am a small little cockroach in a large system. You know, I, I wish I was in Samir Jain's place. Maybe I would have done it differently. But I'm not. So, and that's why he's a multi-billionaire. And I'm where I am. So, let's move
1: on to your stint in NDTV, where you did the big fight, which was very successful. You had an extremely successful career at NDTV. And then you moved on to start your own channel, CNN, IBN, and you made the most spectacular alliances at the start of it. What I want to get to ask you: What happened over there? How did Mukesh Ambani take over CNN, IBN, and what is the story behind your exit and Ragabell's exit along with that?
0: These questions must be asked to Mukesh Ambani and Raghav. I did what I did when I was at Times of India, NDTV, CNN, IBN. I was a journalist. I have completely committed myself to this profession. What changes in the world around me? Who becomes the prime minister of the country? What the equations of the corporate world are with that prime minister or the political class? I don't know. Yes, I was... I mean, I'm slowly finding out that we have a world outside which is not as romantic and idealistic as I make it out to be. There are agendas of people's scores to be settled. And I guess I was naive to believe that I would not be influenced by it at some stage or the other. Good luck to Mukesh Ambani. Good luck to Raghav Bell. Uh, Raghav's got a big empire now of his own. Mukesh Ambani has an even bigger empire. I am where I am. The cockroach is still the cockroach. I keep maintaining, journalists must remain the cockroach. Let the politicians, the, the owners become the butterflies in the system. And I'm uh, I'm okay with it. I've come to terms with it. Not easy, but I've come to terms with it. Rajdeep, I think uh, most people would
1: disagree with you calling yourself a cockroach because you are an important player in the media. You have done some amazing stories. Uh, Your Gujarat reports, which got you the ire of Narendra Modi, uh, for which I think you're still paying the price. But I think think for you to uh, dodge the question, I would try again... What did Mukesh Ambani do?
0: No, what I, look, I don't know. I think, I think what happened at the time, or so I'm told. Again, I have no first-hand knowledge, which is why I'm reluctant to, to put it out in the public domain. You know, that period of 2013-14, which I documented in my book on the 2014 elections, was a period of great churning. Along comes my friend Narendra Bhai from Gujarat. Who I would have never, in my wildest dreams, thought would be the face of the BJP, uh, along comes Arvind Kejriwal, and challenges, in a sense, Mukesh Ambani and the so-called untouchables of uh, of the Indian media. Holds press conferences, accusing them of corruption. Some of which we carried live. Uh, I was told later that there was excessive coverage of Arvind Kejriwal, but if you go across the media at the time, it was all about Kejriwal and Modi. So I don't know why I was singled out. Friends of mine in the media suggested I was going to join the Amadmi party, which was crazy. But maybe all that sort of, in a way, the fact that I wasn't a great friend anymore of my friend Narendra Bhai, the fact that Arvind Kejriwal was getting this disproportionate coverage, maybe made me some kind of a target of some people out there. But I'm okay with it. You know, I'm I'm okay with my conscience. So... You know, you must ask these questions to Mukesh Ambani. Please get Mukesh Ambani, Narendra Modi, Amit Shah, Arvind Kejriwal, Raghav Bell on this table. And ask them. You know, these are the people you should ask questions. Nobody questions them. Right? Why don't, why don't, why don't we... So the message should go out to
1: Jaipur Literature Festival, Sanjoy Roy, Namita Gokhale. Yeah. I hope you're listening. That that's the goal. You have to get those people here to answer the questions of what they've done to journalism. Well...
0: No, I... Including no, Samir Jain. Yeah, look, I don't think Samir Jain's ever held a press conference. I don't think Mukesh... He's never Am- given an interview. Yeah, so Mukesh Ambani will hold press conferences uh, perhaps only when his quarterly results have to be announced. Um, and therefore will be asked usually very soft questions. Uh, and, you know, I don't think Amit Shah likes the idea of holding press conferences where he's held accountable. So I think you should ask the... Uh, Narendra Bhai... Prime Minister of India has never held a press conference for five, for five years. Please go and ask them questions. Please ask them to come to the Jaipur Literature Festival and tell them that Madhu Triyan is going to ask them the questions. Yeah, they'll really come. Which means that they'll never come. <laughs> I should ask you actually, isn't it true that Narendra Modi was supposed to give you an interview in the 2014 elections? Yes. And eventually backed
1: out? Uh, there's, there's a story there. Then, the st- no, you have to see how it plays out. I went to Gandhi Nagar twice. I don't want to take the focus away from you, but since you ask, I went to Gandhi Nagar twice, met him twice, talked about the interview. We discussed that, you know, this is how it will play. He did not ask me for my questions. I said, is there anything you don't want me to ask? He said no. And it was pretty good. The two meetings were very good. He's very personable, very likable in person, and uh, was very gracious to me. What happened was that there is a certain part of the media who he had relied on as being their major spokesperson and mouthpiece those that channel and one lady journalist who at that time was waving the flag uh, for narendra modi started a lobby
0: against me to kill that interview and
1: they succeeded look so.
0: you you at least managed to get as far as you did i was kept sitting on the bottom of a bus my last interview with mr modi in 2012 and uh, while he's sitting on the chair, I'm literally on the bus. My cameraman on the highway of Gujarat is virtually on the windscreen. I think he was sending out a message that I want you where you are on my feet. <laughs> and uh, poor Karan had it even worse. He was asked to leave. Or Modi left the interview. So actually, we've had, you've had a better experience than we've had. Uh, can
1: can I, I ask you, what was going through your mind when after Mukesh Ambani took over CNN and IBN, and you saw their home movies being played, such as they inaugurated something in their home, and that was shown. He inaugurated a hospital, and that was shown. It was really like a home movie. So where's journalism there? Did, you, did it upset you?
0: Look, you know, look, of course it did. You set up something with blood, sweat, and tears. You build a channel out of nothing. I remember when I left NDTV and set up CNN IBN, I was told... There's no space in this country for a second English news channel. It'll never work. Nobody can leave uh, and, and and set up this kind of a channel. Uh, we we achieved. We got more awards. Forget about anything else. You about, did an amazing job. We got. I believe the best journalism on TV was done by us between 2005 and nine. We cracked stories that have never been done before. Uh, if at the end of the day in 2014 someone comes and takes over, I just wish he had given me some of the stake. That's all. Uh, you know, the stake was divided among the big guys. But look, good luck to him. You know, I, I, it, and it happens across the world. Look what's happened with the Washington Post and what Bezos has done. My only thing is, Bezos has actually raised the level of journalism that the Washington Post is doing. In India, we tend to go down to the lowest common denominator. You know, if you have the kind of money, please put it in and build the greatest channel in the world and I'll salute you. If you are going to build... If you're going to do it only as your extension of your empire to, you know, to oblige various people, then please do something else. And that's my problem with Indian business.
1: Uh, you've dedicated your book to the journalist fraternity with the note, who, who continue to report bravely and with integrity in the face of unprecedented challenges. What are the challenges that you have faced in the last four years?
0: Me personally, I get trolled, which is okay. But I think there's a general reluctance on the part of those who you want to question, really, to actually appear and be questioned by you. So I don't think there's, you know, I'll be fair, I think journalists face pressures more in terms of the fact that we are more divided than ever before. Them versus us. If you're with us, we will give you access. If you're with them, access will be denied. If you're with us, we will ensure that, uh, you know, your channel or your network... Uh, sort of gives you the kind of rewards that you perhaps deserve. I've been fortunate India today has been great to me. And I think I've been an exception. In fact, people keep asking me, how do you survive in this world? Because I think Arun Puri, I'm not saying it because he's your brother, is actually at the end of the day, an old-fashioned journalist. And we need more owners who are journalists first. And not owning some school, some college, some... some, Business uh, person. Some landowner. Hmm. You know, too many of our owners Madhu, today have interests outside journalism, and the moment you have interests outside journalism, I find newspapers have power plants. Uh, I'm, you know, it's probably the wrong place to be saying this. This is the Z festival, so I'll probably never be invited. I'll probably be never invited again. But I would urge all media owners: please, your first core business, if you want to do media, should be media, not opening an oil rig. Telecom industry, real estate, politics. The moment you do that, you're compromised.
1: Rajdeep, um, it it never happened before. There was no meta where the media never criticized the media. We were very sort of ignored any stories even that happened within the media. Now, with News Laundry, my website, our website, with my co-founder, Abhinandan Sikri, We do critique the press, and I think we've critiqued you a couple of times, made fun of you, and you've taken it well. There are a few people who don't, just one person who doesn't, but
0: everybody else finds it. Do you think this is fair game for us to do that to you? Please do it. Uh, You know, that's... I think the media should be held more accountable. I think we've been held... You know, we hold the whole world accountable, but we don't put the sort of mirror on ourselves. We should. No problem with it at all. Sometimes it gets vicious and personal. But that's your that's your prerogative. We haven't been vicious or personal. I don't know. Uh, oh, really? Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there are people who might... Per- Look, I have a thin skin. Someone else may have a moti chamdi. I have a very thin skin. You criticize me and I sort of go back and think about it maybe more than once. Others, different people are made differently. Not all of us have... The capacity to handle criticism. Easily. Well,
1: you did rather well, I think, in New York when people were haunting, uh, taunting you and pushing you and kicking you on your ankles and you lost your cool. But you had, the, I think, the grace to apologize afterwards. Yeah, I, and I think
0: I, I, I lost, you recovered. I lost my cool that day because something was said about my kids. You know, there must come a time, and this is also with trolling. You can troll me. Why would you troll my children? What have they done? And, you know, what happened in October or September of 2014 is a reflection of what I've seen happening subsequently. We've become a society where if you don't agree with me, you're my enemy, and I'm going to bring you down. And I think on Republic Day, this country must recognize India is at its strongest when we are together, not when you're divided. (laughs) We must have a dialogue. You don't agree with me, let's dialogue. What is this India which pushes us into these positions where... You're a Modi Bhakt, you're anti-Modi. Urban you know, Naxal, we've been You're called. an Urban naxal, yeah. you're a Congress Darbari. You know, why, why? Who, who gives you the right to call me anti-national? Who bloody well gives you the right to call me anti-national? What is your nationalism? What is your nationalism? A Swiss bank account and you'll stand up in a cinema theater when the Janagana Mana is uttered and you'll call me, you're, you're the nationalist? Who are you? What is You have blood on your hands. Some of our leaders who who coined this term anti-national have blood on their hands. They have sat by when Hindus have killed Muslims or when Muslims have killed Hindus. And that's my point. Who are these people? Show them their ugliness in the mirror. They must be shown it. They they are using these WhatsApp universities, as they are called, to spread poison in our society. Rajdeep, you have
1: uh, spoken about You've spoken about um, the necessity for journalists to be <clears throat> unbiased, or at least give both sides of the story. And biased today means that if I agree with you, you're unbiased. And if I don't agree with you, you're biased. But you have, after saying in your book, that it's important for us to, be, to leave out the political bias, you have made your position clear that you're a left liberal. You're a liberal. I'm not left. You're liberal.
0: That's a position. That's a political position. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an Indian liberal. And, and, and an Indian liberal is based, I think, on, on embracing uh, different viewpoints and then finding your own. I mean, being a critic of someone doesn't make you biased. You know, there are times I can, I can show you stuff that I've done about the Gujarat government's policies on power. I did stories on how Mr. Modi had done a remarkable job in power infrastructure. Now, no one's going to pick out that story. But you will pick out 2002 and say I'm anti-Modi. I didn't start the riot. I didn't prevent the riot. You know, why? why don't we accept that people have made mistakes? People have done good stuff. And journalists must show the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now... If that makes me liberal, if that makes me a... I have a political position. But it's not based on the BJP or the Congress. I believe it's based on what I think is best for the citizenry at that moment. I think banning beef is a terrible idea. Now, am I not to say that? And the moment I say that, does that mean I've taken a position? Maybe I have. I think what's happened, Madhu, is that journalists have become, I concede, much more opinionated than they were when I started off the profession. I was told by my editors, you have an opinion, keep it on the edit page. News pages is about the news. Now news has become opinion because news has disappeared. Every anchor has a, ha, wants to first tell the nation what he or she wants to know. And then, they, and then they do the rest. Myself included. Myself included.
1: Rajdeep, you've written in your book, when expectations are raised to fe- fever pitch and then not met. Critics cannot be silenced. Public wrath could break the banks and reduce verdict 2014 in a crumpled souffle. He wrote this in December 2014, and he's updated uh, after each many of the articles. He's updated it according to what's happening now. Sooner or later, the media honeymoon will end, and the tough, rather prosaic task of governing India outside the glare of the TV camera will have to begin. 2014 was the year of the personality. What is the ground reality now? Ground, the, there has been some shift, as you can see. Uh, I'm sure you're seeing it on your, while you're reporting. That the, is there a, a dimming or a change in the leadership of the BJP in the
0: future at hand? Do you see the
1: rumblings?
0: So are you saying it from a media perspective or a political perspective?
1: Actually, both. Because as a, a reporter, as a journalist, you will you have been exposed... To the ground realities not being met, as you've written. And there is a discontent, as you must feel now, as you must see now. Then you have also coupled with that statements made by other BJP leaders who seem to be ready to flexing to start flexing their muscle. I'm mentioning, why am I playing games? I'm mentioning Nitin Gutkari. He has said some things which have gone uh, against what Narendra Modi has espoused. So one, do you see the ground realities have changed because the aspirations have not met? And secondly, do you see a change in what is happening in the
0: BJP for the future elections? Look, I think Narendra Modi is still India's neta number one. You know, he is a remarkable leader in terms of the fact he is able to establish a direct connect with the masses. He doesn't need the media. He's bypassed us. Maybe some of the anger sometimes in the section of the media, we've lost our power. You know, he's he's managed to ensure, why do I need to have this media scrutiny, all these cockroaches? Let's go directly to the people. And he's been very successful. So, while there may be these rumblings in the BJP and signs of discontent, and yes, I think the honeymoon is over. I think the, you know, Indians have honeymoons for only a particular period of time. Uh, It cannot be a permanent honeymoon. The honeymoon is over. But he's still Neta number one. I can't see anyone within the BJP taking over from Narendra Modi as of now as their Prime Minister candidate. And you know, we Maharashtrians like Gadkari, you know, we tend to say too many things too early. You know, the politician who eventually becomes the Prime Minister is the one who speaks the least and is eventually the least unacceptable. You know, you've got to play this political game very carefully if there's a coalition government. I don't think anyone who plays his hand too early uh, actually eventually becomes Prime Minister. But I frankly believe Mr. Modi is still Neta number one, but the curiosity and the interest in Rahul Gandhi and the other so-called opposition leaders has risen to a great extent within the media.
1: You've written about um, the fifth generation of inheritors of the Congress Party in the family. Uh, In fact they seem to promote themselves as a family, and in their manifesto, they have listed their historical antecedents as if it is a plus point. And now with Priyanka coming in also, it is the family hold is quite... Uh, they seem to be proud of it. It seems to be their ticket to win an election. Uh, it also shows the lack of uh, democracy. And if you, if you see... Is it possible to conceive that Rahul Gandhi would ever step away and fight a good... Let the people in the Congress party, the other politicians, have a good fight and the the best man emerge as happened in the BJP?
0: No, I don't think so. I think this country is tragically at the moment stuck between two national parties, one which in my view still at its core espouses communalism and the other which at the end of the day espouses family Raj. I think both these parties in a sense do not represent the true essence of this great country. This country is a merit-driven country now. We must reject those who come into power. Nothing wrong in becoming a leader if you proved yourself on the shop floor. No problem. I mean, this state, Sachin Pilot is a good example to my mind. He's come from Rajesh Pilot, but whenever I see Sachin Pilot, I get a sense this guy wants to work at it and has made the effort. You know, it was a huge challenge for him to come from Delhi to Jaipur and build the Congress here and he has contributed to their success. So I don't, I'm not against dynasties. I think they have a space. But I, I think the Rahul Gandhi model is not the ideal one. You can't just say that I am the president of the Congress because my mother, my father, my grandmother, I'm running a great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather were Congress presidents. That's not good enough. And I think the BJP too needs to show me That their political Hindutva is not exclusionary. You cannot tell me that Hindutva is inclusive inclusive, and you will not give a single ticket to a Muslim in Gujarat when you were in power for 15 years. You will deny tickets to Muslims in Uttar Pradesh. I find it unacceptable. Uh, Rajdeep, you 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 are stuck between dynasty politics and communal politics. We must reject both in some way.
1: Rajdeep, you have listed um, Rajiv Gandhi's catastrophic mistakes and Indira Gandhi and Jawaharlal Nehru's mistakes, I think, are being discussed in this decade for the first time in India with an idolatry kind of attitude most Indians had of them is now cracked. What would you say? How will history look at Mo- Narendra Modi? What do you think are his biggest catastrophic mistakes and what are his missed opportunities as you listed Rajiv Gandhi's li- missed opportunities also? So apply that to
0: Modi. I, I think, Madhu, this question will have to be asked once Modi departs from the scene. Uh, you know, we are still in history in the making. I still haven't understood the logic of demonetization. Some kind of a Tuglaki firman you know, almost to my mind as bad as Tughlaq moving the capital of Delhi to Daulatabad. And this country at some stage should hold their leaders accountable when they make such major policy, uh, you know, major changes in policy that affect millions and don't give us adequate explanations as to what we, a balance sheet of them. So I would like, I think demonetization is a huge question mark. I think appointing Yogi Adityana in Uttar Pradesh, I mean, you know, Come on, you know, this is a new India out there. You know, this is a, this is a saffron. Look at the kind of re- poisonous remarks this man made before he was chief minister. Does such a person deserve to be a chief executive of India's most populous state? Is a question these people of this country have to answer, not Rajdeep,
1: me. Uh- you are speaking to, I think, a liberal audience. You have an interviewer. I'm not so sure. No, I, otherwise they would have booed this. I remember two de- years ago, I was in that debate at the end of the Jep- Jepo Literature Festival when Anupam Kher brought his goons and it became, ju- because he'd been booed in Mumbai and to prevent that happening here, he brought his goon and he was, nobody could speak because the goons were shouting him down. Today, you have an interviewer who is on the same sort of uh, perspective. Your audience is also that. So I think you do have to uh, address the fact that if you were saying this in the heartland of UP or Bihar,
0: how would it play? So be it. We'll have a dialogue. I've, I, I've, had, it. I've had fights in Bihar, fights in UP. Not physical fights, but you know, the deb- debate, the cut and thrust. This is a great country if you can have democratic debates without the threat of violence. The problem now is there's a threat of violence. Look at what happened to Nasiruddin Shah. Driven out of the Ajmer festival for what? For what he said? Now, what kind of a society do we want to build? And some of our liberalism, even in audiences like this, is skin deep. We will clap here and in our room we'll go and say, lagta hai Rajdi both anti modi hai. Or, you know, actually, you know, actually Hindus have been treated for too long. You know, they've been persecuted. Think of the Kashmiri pundits. There is, you know, all this. This liberalism is skin deep at times. I talk about 2002, you'll say, but 1984 ka kya karoge? I'm saying pox to them all. Reject all of it. Reject all forms of violence, whether it's Muslim communism, Hindu communism. But let's face it in the mirror. And let's be able to do it in a manner that our liberalism becomes a shining example for the world. I fear Indians by their nature are not liberal. That's the tragedy. We are actually caught up in identity politics, caste identity, community identities, and our politicians have astutely played on it, and it's become worse. With the incipient threat of violence every time I say something... How responsible
1: do you think uh, Twitter, it's trolling, it's kind of reduced, it had... Do you agree that it has played uh, a role in in encouraging anonymous people, because anonymity gives you a lot of pseudo-courage and people who would never say those kind of things when they're standing in front of you, it has reduced uh, debate, argument to a point of just abuse. Absolutely. And Twitter is, I think, directly responsible, would you agree, for the style of speaking, even in Parliament has been affected. Uh, By the way, we now reduce ourselves to just trolling and abusing people.
0: Absolutely, Madhu, not just Twitter, look at WhatsApp. Look at the kind of videos that are being passed out on WhatsApp. And lies. And lies. Everyone is in their echo chambers. Everyone is in their comfort zone. Today you are having a lit fest, which you are saying has a large liberal audience, someone else will have a counter lit fest with people of another viewpoint. Never the twain shall meet. And lies are being spread. There was a Sanya Mirza picture of Sanya uh, in, in Pakistan, apparently in a hijab, and in India in her tennis shorts, and saying, is this the kind of... You know, look at the difference between Muslim societies and Hindu societies. And I, I know Sanya's father well. I asked her, him about the picture. This was a picture taken in 2007 when she'd gone to Mecca. But that picture had already gone viral. You want to bring out the worst in us. My problem is today Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp are bringing out the worst in us. We should look at the greatest Gujarati, the greatest Indian. Mahatma Gandhi sought to bring out the best in us. Today, our leaders want to bring out the worst in us. And today, we as individuals in our WhatsApp groups are looking out to bring out the worst in us. We must stop that. That is not acceptable to me. Why and, should forwarding,
1: and forwarding uh, messages without knowing whether they're true or not. Absolutely. All kinds of lies without uh, any verification. You know, and if it appears in WhatsApp, people seem to have the tendency to believe everything.
0: Absolutely. Look at the Muzaffar Nagar riots. Pictures were being brought out and sent out viral of pictures of Afghanistan and the Rohingya Muslims as if it was happening in Muzaffar Nagar. And the person who was sending it out, Sangeet Som, is now the MLA, elected. Because our electoral politics rewards this.
1: So what can people, ordinary people like us, do to fight this?
0: I don't know. But we've got to fight it. You know, Salman Khan in Bajrangi Bhaijan says, Nafrat Felana Bhat asan hai, pyar batna muskil. I know it's a Bollywood dialogue, but it's true of society. And we have to find ways to bring out the best in us. And I think the only way is citizenship. We have to realize at the end of the day, we are citizens. This republic is ours. This republic is not just of those who rule us. So therefore, as citizen groups, find ways. I found it in Bangalore this time. Citizens came together to stop a steel bridge which was being built with lots of money being go- going to the politicians of that state. They went on a morcha, stopped the bridge. We must do that. We must find ways in which citizens are able to challenge their rulers without saying we are helpless.
1: We're also dealing with citizens who, in a new train, will trash it. Uh, You've seen pictures of those trains. New trains being destroyed by citizens traveling. We have a bridge that was a spectacular bridge that was built in uh, UP. And it was completely taken apart, the sidings, everything was stolen. So I think Narendra Modi, in all fairness to him, has a very tough job because unless the citizens are made to feel feel responsible, and I think in all our political uh, uh, campaigns, we see that promises are made to the citizens. No politician ever makes a demand of citizens to, to respect what is uh, respect? What is built for them, or to keep the place clean? Everyone is still littering. What do you think? Is it possible for
0: anyone, for any leader, to change the people? No. Look, Madhu. The glass, as journalists, we have is half empty. I'll give you an example of a glass half full. Go to Indore. Long before yeah. Mr. Modi discovered Swach Bharat, the citizens of Indore, led by a really enlightened DM, discovered swachchita. It's the cleanest city in the country the last three years. But even before Mr. Modi came to power, and I think one of his, I, you know you must give him credit for putting Swachata on the agenda in the manner that he did. He marketed himself along with it, but that's okay. That marketing is part of life. But the citizens of Indore, voluntary groups, have ensured that the city is clean. If Indore can be clean, why can't the rest of India? You know, My problem at times is that we rely far too much on our politicians to do it for us. We've got to do it now. You cannot, this country, you know, Angres Chalegay up apne successor Chodgay. That's what's really happened. You know, when I look at these politicians, would Mahatma Gandhi really have wanted to be surrounded by these commandos and, you know, people around them? They're living in a bubble. Every prime minister in particular lives in a bubble in that seven racecourse road. Thinking, sitting there with a firman, he can fix India. India has to be fixed from below, not from above. And, and there are numerous examples. Have
1: to, citizens have to, like when you go to Israel, you go to a kibbutz, they'll say, we built this well, we built this medical center, we built this school. You go to a village in India and they'll say, government ne ye kia, government ne government and it's nobody, I think, is there a politician who will have the guts to actually make these demands, you think? Do but you think, don't need the, the
0: You know, we did an India Today uh, magazine, uh, our annual thing on Bharat and the new Bharat. There are numerous examples of village yeah. cooperatives doing great work. Look, this great country has reached where it is despite the Netas, not because of them. You know, they've reached because of, of wonderful people. The wonderful people of this country will change India forever.
1: You go on at length in uh, in your book about the undefeatable Amit Shah-Modi combine in winning elections. Now, you wrote this, this article a while ago.
0: Do you think that stands today? No I say no one is invincible. Uh, you know I, I, they are a powerful juggernaut appearing invincible, but Kisiko Harana mushkil hai like in Namum look, you know, to my mind, we tend to you know leaders tend nowadays because journalists work in sound bites, speak or or in images. so someone becomes Chanakya, someone becomes papu, someone becomes you know fifty six inch chest. These are all appellations we in the media use to make them larger than life. At the end of the day, there will come a time if you try to fool some of the people, some of the time, you can get away with it. You try to fool all the people all the time, public will say, boss, Time to go back.
1: Rajdeep, you've written in your book, if the Prime Minister wants to win the hearts and minds of minorities, then this is hardly going to endear him to millions of Christians and those who value the spirit of a unique multicultural society. Do you think the present dispensation values the multicultural society? And do you think they even want to win the hearts and minds of the minorities?
0: I don't... You know, honestly... Honestly, and it's a sad thing to say, I think they, we have the least number of the 2014 parliament through the least number of Muslim MPs in the history of this country. And you will find even fewer this time because Rahul Gandhi is interested in being a Janyudhari Hindu and Mr. Modi is interested in being a Hindu Ridai Samrat. And to my mind, both of them have got Hinduism's greatness terribly wrong. You know, the, the greatness of Hinduism by its very nature is its inclusive, philosophical nature. You know, you don't have to thrust Hinduism down anyone's... You know, look at the Kum Mela. You can be anyone in the kumbh. That's the greatness of Hinduism. These guys are trying to semitize religion. The BJP. And the Congress is doing it purely for, you know... Survivor. Main hu na. Main bhi hu. Hindu. So I think, I, think, I think multiculturalism of this country must come. Again, it's a rooted... Hinduism that we must rediscover. And it's out there, it's there. Rajdeep, you've
1: written, in the cacophony of 24-7 media, in particular, there's been a conscious strategy on the part of the government to drown out alternative voices, dub them as Pakistani ISI agents, or virtually force news organizations to engage in self-censorship in the guise of a nation-first storyline. Now, when the surgical strikes took place, and there were some journalists who wouldn't, under any normal circumstances, would ask the basic questions that, can we see the evidence? Can we see what you've done? And all those people were shouted down as anti-national. And no matter what happened in the past, even with Indira Gandhi and the subsequent prime ministers, Rajiv Gandhi, you were able to question the government about what they are doing. Now, the ground reality is that the... Media has been delegated to either you obey or shut up.
0: We have, but, you know, is the public out there wanting to ask those questions? You know, that's my point. I think the, the present dispensation and increasingly not just Mr. Modi at the center, but Mamta Banerjee in Bengal, Naveen Patnaik in Odisha, Nitish Kumar, Jail Alita, all of them are putative emperors and empresses. They don't want, you know, and, and the public is okay with it. Look at the success of the film Uri. Good, well-made film. But it's again about you know, bringing out this spirit of nationalism as if the, our soldiers are the only nationalists. Why can't doctors be equal nationalists? Why aren't engineers or scientists nationalists? Why is it that only... We can't ask any question of the army in this country. The moment I ask a question of the army in this country, I'm anti-national. We've invested the army with this aura. Are you telling me there's no corruption in army canteens? But... This is part, the politician shoots off the shoulder of our soldiers. Our poor soldiers are at CHN today. Or they'll be fighting an LOC battle which they don't know for. Some poor guy, laborer's son from Bihar is suddenly posted as a jawan. They're fighting your and my battle. And our netas are fighting over their shoulders. So the moment I ask a question on surgical strikes, I'm told I'm anti-national. You're not supposed to ask, you know, uh, questions of, the, uh, of an army operation. So I, you know, it's, it's a tough one. It's not easy, but I, you know, the public also, the people of this country also have to decide. How much of transparency do you really want? How many of you really want these questions to be asked? Or are you we are in a world, in our own little bubbles? We are happy. Don't worry, be happy.
1: Rajdeep, you've written, the electronic media finds its credibility under the scanner. Rampant conflict of interest in ownership patterns, a cracked business model, and the discretionary powers of the state while granting channel licenses, have made it even more difficult to create spaces for a truly independent, nonpartisan TV media. Now, it is, we know that there are some uh, journalists, editors, who have been shown the door because they were not pliable enough. They uh, did not promote the uh, present government as was so wished, or they did stories that were seen as damaging to them. Uh, Krishna Prasad is one. Uh, in uh, Bobby Ghosh Bobby Hindu- Ghosh of course Hindu- and then Manu Joseph left Hartosh Singh Bal all these people and these are names that we know but there are increasing number of um, journalists who are not that high profile who have been shown the door because they did, he, did, he or she did a negative story uh, according to the government so yes the owners are a, a little too scared quite obviously especially if they have other businesses So what does this say about uh, the obvious thing that we are self-censoring ourselves? There is a problem where anyone who does anything will face repercussions. And in one sense, this is far worse than, this is my opinion, of course, that it's far worse than the emergency or any open declared dictatorship because you know the rules. You're told you can't do this. You're censored outwardly. But in this, it is done by using instruments of democracy without le- leaving any footprints and done in such a clever way by uh, targeting either the owners with income tax rates and that kind of thing. Would you say this is the worst time to be a journalist in India?
0: Yes. No, I, I, I was only 10 years old when the emergency happened. Uh, so well, got- Since you were only 10 years old, can I just tell you since
1: I am almost twice your age. Um, at that time, at that time, what people who are now lauded as heroes of the emergency who fought and went to jail, you're exhorting the public that you have to be involved. You have, During that time, the only people who went to jail were journalists and members of the opposition. The rest of the country, which I would say 99.9%, went off, went about their business in a normal way Carrying on saying, thank goodness, trains are running on time and bureaucrats are coming to work. So, the people have never really claimed their citizenship as a power tool.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the problem. We are a feudal, obedient society. I want to see the high jumps and the acrobatics some of these same journalists and media owners do. If by some miracle, Rahul Gandhi becomes the next Prime Minister. You know, the same journalists and the same media owners will do acrobatics of a kind you can't imagine. And I think that reflects the fact that we are a feudal society. We are a society driven by, Salam sir, the number of people who say sir in our society, instead of first name. We are that kind of a society. So, you know, if I stand up today, you are, you know, one or two people say, Yar, baut, tum baut tez ho, Modi ji ko takkar de But 90% will say, you are a fool. You know, people in India don't want you to take on the system. We, uh, Javed Akhtar told me that he created Amitabh Bachchan as this anti-establishment hero who became successful. And maybe there's a bit of us who wants to be anti-establishment. But 90% of this country is establishmentarian in its very nature. We want to go along with the flow. Dissenters are few and far between. That's been the nature of this country. What do I do?
1: Rajdeep, when these high-profile editors lost their jobs because they were not pro-government enough, the journalistic community... Forget about the citizens and the readers and the viewers. The journalistic community itself did not stand by them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. When Gauri Lankesh was killed, when Gauri Lankesh was killed and we had a press club meeting, at the press club meeting, we were told that there was a division between those who are urban naxals and leftists who have organized it, and those who will stay out of it, why? A woman has been killed. For God's sake, don't damn her now in death as an urban naxal and say I will not come for the condolence meeting because you know this has been organized by a particular ideology. Why? So I think we've divided ourselves as journalists, and the politician knows that. The politician is the master of divide and rule. Angrez ne kardiya. Today's rulers do that. Tumko ye benefit denge aur unko bahar rakhenge. That's what happened. So, I think journalists are responsible to a large extent for our own downfall today. We have not stood united when our colleagues have been targeted, when they've been ostracized, when, God, for God's sake, they've been killed. I mean, I I find it, you know, absolutely unacceptable. And I've written about it in the book that even Gauri Lankesh's killing does not raise your conscience levels to the fact of waking up to what is happening around you, for God's sake. Rajdeep,
1: my last question to you before we go to the audience for questions. Um, Your interview with Sonia Gandhi, you were told no political questions. She's a politician. She only wanted to talk about her mother-in-law. Now, in that situation, you're given the choice. Either you'll simply take a stand and say, I can only take an interview of yours if you are willing to answer any question that I ask, or... You take her diktat. You took her diktat,
0: which is not journalistically absolutely correct, is it? Absolutely. And uh, I concede that. Look, I've given the backstory when I spoke to Quint. The fact is, I reach Allahabad. I'm told there's a Sonia interview. It was 100 years of Indira Gandhi, to be fair. And then I'm told no political questions. I had two options. One to say, bugger you, I'm going home. The other is to say, Sonia Gandhi's interview, she only speaks once in 10 years, I've got to do it. I thought I'd take my chance and if you see the interview, I keep asking, can we now come to a political question? She said, no, no, no political questions. What do I then do? Now, but you shouldn't have announced that it was a political question. You should have snuck it in. Yeah, yeah, I did. No, no, I did. I, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. If you see then, the, that's exactly what I did. I thought I'd play the old-style journalist and keep snugging in questions. Yeah. Every time the question is in, she said, no, no political. <laughs> what do I do? Look, okay. in hindsight... I perhaps should have taken the first route and said, ma'am, sorry, I'm going home. Uh, It's a mistake. We all make mistakes. I'm open about, unlike our netas who will never admit that they get it wrong, journalists often get it wrong and should admit when they get it wrong. So I got it wrong. No problem. I live with it.
1: Okay. I um, want to tell the audience, especially the young people over here, the young uh, adults, you must actually, uh, I don't plug books, but I really think you should get this book because it gives you a really clear idea of the recent history of politics, of what's happened in the last, uh, from 2014. And also his updates are very interesting, because they change uh, what he's written. And he ends it with his version of um, Tagore's poem. Where the mind is without fear. Yeah. And uh, I would ask you to read the first paragraph, and the last three paragraphs. Okay. Okay. You want me to read it? Yes. They're here to hear you. Okay. And the the first
0: and the last. First two and the last. With apologies to the great Nobel laureate Gurudev Rabindranath Tagore, here is a prayer for my country in 2019 and beyond. Where the mind is without fear and the head is held high, where every citizen is blessed with equal rights and opportunities, not an India which is divided and discriminates on religion, region, caste, class, gender, and income, where we keep religion out of politics and politics out of religion where we cast our vote but don't vote our caste, where vote banks are replaced by an enlightened, inclusive politics that truly rep- respects our diversity, where secularism is about plurality and mutual respect, where communal harmony is about celebrating Diwali, Eid, Christmas, Nanak, Jayanti with equal fervor, where a bhajan and a carol, a kavali and gurbani are sung with gusto, where our unique multiple, multiple folk traditions are a badge of pride.
1: Now for- It's about five or six pages long. It's a long one. Yeah. But I I won't do it.
0: Read the last three. Okay. It's quite beautiful. Last three. Where true patriotism isn't about standing up in a cinema theater during the singing of the national anthem, but standing up for what is right and just. Where being Indian is not about left versus right or handing out certificates of nationalism, but about putting citizenship first. A robust civic nationalism that binds us all as Indians with equal rights and duties. Where the ultimate holy book is our multi-faith republican constitution. Into that new India and heaven of freedom, let my great country awake.
1: Thank you for listening to Jepper Bets, a podcast produced by Lonchora in association with the Zee Jepper Literature Festival.